This is the Pain Information Network, 36. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Uh, I'm going to go into a little more Q&A today, and I'm going to address a, a, a big subject. And a couple of the questions that have come through at paininformation.com have been about cancer. Um, that, of course, is an enormous subject. But it's not big enough that we can't get started with it or just have a have an initial conversation. And, and then we can just take it a step at a time, uh, get to the uh, basics and have some folks on, on another podcast talk a little bit more about cancer pain. Because there's a lot that people have to understand in the, in the early uh, phases of uh, cancer that is often misunderstood or is misguided. That's a big word. It's a C word, cancer. When people hear cancer, all they think about is, oh, my God, I'm going to be miserable and sick and go through horrendous treatments, and then I'm going to die. And that's not the way it is. And we're lucky in America that uh, we, we get advanced treatment. Um, in, in America, um, at least about um, the majority of the patients – get a very prob- a very promising uh, prognosis. Um, but the rest of the world, unfortunately, isn't so lucky. They rarely, in some parts of the world, even get any pain medicine. So um, when we have a, a patient that gets uh, cancer, most of them are going to receive some type of anti-cancer uh, therapy. It depends on if... It's metastatic or advanced stage disease. And many of these patients, um, after the completion of the treatment, uh, experience uh, a uh, curative um, course of care. So that could be even up to a third. But the evidence of uh, pain in uh, cancer is so prevalent that we talk about it a lot because it is um, it's prevalent in at least thirty five to forty percent of folks in, uh, that have a diagnosis of pain. So some of the more painful uh, types of cancer are head and neck. Um, that can be pretty high. Up ninety percent of those people have significant pain. It makes sense. There's a lot of nerves in the head and neck, right? Uh, the urinary tract system can be pretty high. Breast is getting better. We're getting more advanced treatments there, but it can be about 50%. The pancreas, that's a unique type of cancer, um, and it it is a it has a high level of abdominal pain, but we've got some good treatments for that too. Esophageal pan, uh, cancer um, and prostate cancer both have uh, uh, discomfort associated with them, uh, it, it, usually greater than 50% of the time. Um, but... When we have cancer pain, uh, at least a third of those people say, you know, it, it's pretty bad. It, it's something I can't live with without either medication or advanced therapy. All right, so where, where's the pain coming from? Well, it, it can come from more than one place. It can actually come from the tumor itself, compressing tissues around it. Um, it can pre- compress nerves. It can compress uh, vital tissues, including blood vessels. And then you get some backed up blood vessels. You can get blood clots and the like. It can come from some of the diagnostic procedures. Um, think about a bone marrow aspiration. Uh, that can be discomfort. It might be fairly temporary. 
but it's it's an example in other treatments uh how about radiation therapy sometimes the radiotherapy uh hurts some of the tissues around it or can cause a neuropathic type of pain or or nerve type pain and it can sometimes spread it can go into bones and you can get a bony type pain you can get spinal pain from that bony type pain and if it's progressive and and you have significant uh, disease of the vertebral body you can have either collapse of the vertebral body or uh, progression onto uh, nerve compression that can cause its own type of pain so the World Health Organization, uh, WHO, recommends that we are aggressive at treating pain and we don't sit on it. And that, that's a truly ethical thing for us. We have to look at the risk-reward benefit, like I talk about with everything. Uh, is the risk of the treatment worth the reward? And in a patient uh, suffering from pain, an individual that is terrified of their own mortality, it's a multifactorial problem. It often requires that we not only treat the pain with traditional pain medications uh, from uh, the uh, Tylenols, the NSAIDs, the opioids, but also the gabapentinoids and some of the what we call adjunctive medications. So it, it's important the doctor knows rule four. Do you know your medications? Uh, well, it's another one of the rules. Do you have the diagnosis? 20% of people that have one cancer go on to develop another type of cancer. So before the patient leaves the room and before a treatment plan has even uh, evolved to its advanced uh, stages, uh, it's important and it's incumbent upon us as physicians that we let the patient know we're going to recognize they have pain and we're going to treat it and we're going to do it in their best interest for the best possible outcome. All right, so now when, when the cancer starts up, it's, it might be just real mild type pain uh, and it may just stay there. It depends on the type of cancer you have. And if it starts to become a, a little more uh, involved, if the cancer starts to become a little more involved, it can... It can evolve into an acute situation where you have perhaps a a, a bony collapse or even a a bone break from a metastasis. Or it could be from a compression uh, as sometimes one of the the first uh, finds of cancer. Uh, And that can be of tissues or even of nerves. Uh, So it's... it's important to just be patient. Understand that there's usually not just one source of pain, but generally two sources of pain, three sources of pain. And it's complicated by the fact that that big C word has terrified people and situational depression and anxiety starts layering itself on. So let's, let's look at the big picture. Are we treating the whole person? And that's the key right there. So most people that treat uh, cancer pain are aware that evolution of pain can occur rather abruptly in an acute situation, and it can layer onto chronic problems like situational depression and anxiety. And on top of that, it might be just more than one type of pain. It could be a nerve-type pain. It could be a bony-type pain, a complete, two completely different processes requiring different uh, treatments. All right, so there's the tumor. Uh, the tumor 
uh, does a number of things. It's irritating to, to tissues around it. It's a different type of tissue, and the body might be reacting to it. It might be inflammatory. It, it could be um, neurochemical. It could be chemicals released from the tumor itself causing problems. And um, what is normally not hurting now hurts a lot. When the bone is invaded, uh, it's important to understand the, the potential consequences of that and to um, respond appropriately. For example, if uh, in breast and prostate cancers, uh, the rib uh, is involved, uh, it might fracture. Well, we can block that and we can actually ablate some of those nerves so it doesn't hurt as much. Um, when the blood system is is uh, is compressed, like I said, by some of these tumors, you can get uh, a kind of a backup of blood flow, and that can cause uh, pressure on surrounding tissues, and that's usually in the lower extremity. It can even occur in stomach uh, problems at one of the major vessels returning uh, blood to the heart, and um, it can cause a, a syndrome we call superior vena cava syndrome, which can cause a pain in itself. So that vague abdominal pain is is sometimes uh, the first thing we see when uh, the patient comes to the family care or internal medicine doctor, and uh, it's it's usually, it's it might be the heralding first event for the diagnosis. Okay. Now, if it's coming from an organ, it's a it's a it's a vague pain because when you have abdominal pain, you don't have well localized pain. At the end of your fingers, um, you, you have very tactile uh, sensation. You have a lot of specialized nerves that can tell uh, in, in exactly where that little pinprick is. It's it's so accurate because you got to have that. That's how your hands work. Well, in an abdominal wall and in the, some of the organs, it's very vague. It doesn't have to be an exact type pain for the organism to protect itself or to make an object or to uh, cook, sew, weave, whatever. So it's, it's kind of this vague and sometimes um, nondescript pain that uh, moves about, and it's, it's hard to diagnose uh, in a straightforward office setting, it's going to require advanced imaging and sometimes uh, different tests. So, okay, you've been diagnosed with cancer, and it sounds terrifying. And your doctors started to talk to you a little bit about what it means, the natural history, what you can expect, what kind of treatments, what kind of expected outcomes. Um, and then... Your question is, well, am I going to die, and how long before I go? I hear in the lay media all the time, my doctor said I was going to only live three months, and I, I'm i still alive, and that was three years ago. Let, let me tell you something. We, we are not going to um, pull out a crystal ball and scare you to death. With or we shouldn't, um, with a, a forecast. This is a medical problem. It's a physical problem. It's a psychological problem. It's complex. It's biopsychosocial and emotional. We we shouldn't be 
telling you things we don't know. Everybody's different. Everybody's a snowflake, right? Everybody is different. We can kind of foretell the type of cancer and how it may behave, and we can kind of see where it's at, and we do things called staging. Um, and we we look at uh, the different sk- stages as what to be expect and where it is. And uh, we can get a better idea, but we don't have a crystal ball, and everybody's bit, uh, different. So uh, when we hear patients say that um, I was only expected to live X, and here I am at Y, well, you know, I, I just want you to think um, – Think positively. There is no benefit to thinking negatively if you have a a tough diagnosis, okay? All right, so other problems with cancer. It can invade uh, nerves, and it can go to uh, uh, sometimes the brain and and parts around the brain and cause swelling. Well, when that occurs, we uh, often... uh, ask, is it surgical or can we treat it with radiation or chemotherapy and the like? It's individualized. So that is not necessarily the end of the, of the day, okay? So what kind of treatments are there? Well, there's immunotherapy, um, and immunotherapy is often associated with bone and joint pain because it's inflammatory. And I, told, I just said something about uh, radiotherapy or x-rays where we use uh, specific and very defined uh, high-energy x-rays to attack the tumor. Um, Surgery, of course, uh, if we can debulk it um, and we can get in there and get that tumor, yeah. Isn't that that the greatest thing? And hormone therapy and breast uh, cancer, uh, chemotherapy, everybody knows chemotherapy. And of the numerous protocols in chemotherapy, some cause more side effects than others. <clears throat> so the doctor's going to tell you what to expect. Are you going to lose your hair? Are you going to have nausea, vomiting? Are you going to have to be hospitalized, or is this completely uh, outpatient? You can expect to have problems with your heart, or it may hurt your kidneys. All these things they'll talk to you about, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen. So Keep an open mind, okay? It's the responsibility of the clinician to tell you the risk-reward benefit. And it's, impo- it's important to place that against the, ex- the potential expectations. And you, you have to make decisions. It's okay to make those decisions. We all have to make decisions about our health care. We're consumers, every one of us, everyone in the room, including the doctor. And that goes down to qu- quality of life. So... Is the treatment worse than just kind of waiting out the problem? For example, many men outlive uh, prostate cancer. They just outlive it. So is it worth getting some type of treatment when you're going to outlive the cancer? Or some leukemias are that way. Uh, some bloodborne problems uh, are that way as well. So um, so what are we going to do with um, the psychological aspect? Well, I, I'm a strong believer in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, that's going to be a podcast in itself, but it's a, it's a way that we uh, re-image uh, the way our pain uh, is affecting our daily activities in life. And it's, it's, very, it's a meaningful way to help 
get your mind off the negative aspects of everything that's happening to you, everything that happened fast. It, it is a very useful technique. So I like that. Uh, other uh, psychological interventions uh, uh, look at uh, the effect of the medications, the chemotherapy, and uh, start uh, preparing you so that when uh, one thing happens, X, your reaction is more Y. And it isn't necessarily meaning the end, but it is a path in the journey towards wellness and uh, hopefully uh, uh, getting better and a cure. So it all comes down to quality of life, okay? So that goes down to medications. So I talked a second about WHO guidelines. Um, Let's start with kind of milder medications and work our way into the heavy opioids. What you can expect is um, you're going to be given different types of of medications based on a lot of your problems. Let's just say that you have so much nausea and vomiting from the chemo, you can't keep anything down. Well, what sense is it to give you a pill? You can't keep it down. So there's other ways we can give that medication. People know about getting shots for medication and that sort of thing. But, you know, we can also use a patch. Um, We can also use um, uh, a suppository. There's other ways to do it. People would be very surprised that some of the best uh, approaches to getting the medicine in you uh, very quickly is using uh, your mouth. And uh, there's specific uh, fentanyl uh, preparations that can get you rescue medications very effectively through uh, what we call buccal absorption or or oral absorption. So... um, what do these medicines do and what do you have? Well, obviously, if you have some liver, kidney, stomach problems, you're going to need special consideration with these medications. If you're getting uh, problems with your kidneys, you're not going to want to take anti-inflammatory medicines. That's one of our previous podcasts. You're going to want to take something else that doesn't necessarily hurt the kidneys. So we have to be very vigilant about what we give you. Rule four. So um, the adjunctive medications, the uh, other medications that we have talked about in other podcasts, the gabapentinoids, the gabapentin, the pregabalins, the lyricas, um, uh, are used pretty heavily. But so are tricyclic antidepressants, other anticonvulsants. And uh, it's reasonable to have some folks on something to treat that situational depression and anxiety. It might be a traditional, non-traditional antidepressant, or it might be uh, a benzodiazepine. And this is one of those cases that I think benzodiazepines are useful to have um, as a backup. They really help with anxiety. They really help uh, get people feeling a little better either before a treatment, after a treatment, or through the uh, scary stuff of uh, uh, treatment. Okay, so what's some other treatments we have? Well, there's interventional. We're interventionalists, so we can use needles to block certain tissues. We can destruct certain nervous tissues. And um, not so much anymore. We used to put in uh, chemicals that um, kill certain nerves. We can still do that. Uh, And not so much anymore. Neurosurgeons will go in to certain nervous tissues and 
and cut uh, cut some of those uh, tissues uh, to stop the pain signal. Not so much. Um, we also have uh, special pain pumps if, if you're in the hospital, and we can put uh, medicine directly into the spinal area through a pump. So what I'm getting at here is there's many options for pain control, and it do- just isn't a pill. Now, uh, there is um, a, a lot of groups that believe in uh, alternative medicine, and I'm going to shelf that. I don't want to talk about it because... Cancer is a uh, physical crisis for some people, and we don't have good um, methodology in some of the studies that support these, and we don't necessarily have um, good studies uh, that say that alternative medicine or complementary medicine uh, is uh, very, uh, very good or or incredibly valuable. Well, I'll be probably um, raked over the coals for saying that, but that's that's a personal belief for me. You talk it over with your physician and um, make sure that you understand um, the risk award benefit, but still get the recommended uh, therapies uh, from your uh, practitioner. Remember, this is an information network. I'm just here to give you information. You have to have that strong, strong patient-physician relationship, particularly in when you have this type of problem. So now... <clears throat> I'm just going to say there, there's a couple of things that keep us from uh, moving forward with aggressive therapy. Some people just don't want it. That's fine. And there should be no push, but there should be a lot of education. There should be uh, an understanding what is going to be occurring in all phases of treatment and this is called informed consent, and it takes it takes time. So if you don't think you're getting uh, the time you need to understand this stuff, uh, ask to spend time with maybe not necessarily the physician, but the nurse or some of the coworkers or the psychologist um, to get a good understanding what's not now, but what's three, six, nine, and twelve months. Those um, benchmarks that I always talk about. So legally and ethically we've got to you know we've got to make sure that we take care of you we take care of your pain um we work collaboratively with other physicians so we just all don't stand alone as uh, a single beacon of uh, treatment or hope and we work uh, in combination for the best possible outcome okay let me let me cheer this up a little bit um it just it just has to be emphasized, and I, I, I tell my patients this, that the C word is not necessarily a bad word. It is a problem, and there are uh, treatments and answers just like with any other problem, but it takes an understanding. And that's why we're here at the Pain Information Network. That's a start on cancer and cancer pain. Summarize. Yes, we can help you. We have good treatments for pain control. Yes, we can understand your type of problem. And really, no, no one's necessarily a guinea pig. What we're doing is we're trying to, I hate that term, we're trying to find a pathway. And we aren't experimenting. 
everybody's a snowflake. Everybody's unique. Everybody has their problems, the nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, whatever it might be that turns our hand a little bit. But we have solutions. Okay, next, it's socialization. It's important that we have psychological support. It's important that the biopsychosocial model is known, explored, embraced, and um, is part of uh, the overall uh, best treatment solutions. Finally, you're in, in America is one of the luckiest uh, countries because pain uh, control is uh, aggressive and uh, it's available. So if you're not getting what you think you need, um, and be realistic, we can't give 100% pain relief, but we can definitely help. Most people uh, feel a whole bunch better. Um, talk it over. And if you're having side effects from medicine, talk it over. If you're having constipation, for example, we have outstanding new medicines for opioid-induced constipation. Outstanding. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a conversation. No, no more so than any other pain problem. Cancer is a conversation, and that's the other part of the C. So visit paininformation.com. Uh, please leave a, a comment or two on iTunes. It really helps us, okay? And if you have another question uh, about anything to do with pain in particular, uh, if you have a specific need, leave your question at paininformation.com. I'll read them all. And I hope to get you some answers. So uh, once again, standard disclaimer, you talk everything over with a qualified provider uh, and you um, make sure that your voice is heard, that uh, the five rules of pain uh, are a part of their world too, and that uh, you, you find the best fit that you're most comfortable with. And we'll talk to you soon.